0: I faced all of these things when we started Contagious Disciple Making several years ago. I mean, I was going in to try to do something that no one had done before, and that is seen movement in the United States and Canada. And there were a lot of people who looked at me and said it couldn't be done. There were people who resisted me. And there were some things, though, that helped me push through. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple-makers. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, patreo dot slash faithworks, or just click on the link in the description. To those of you who already support this podcast, thank you so much. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women just like you who want Want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood? Now, recently, I was on a coaching call with uh, one of our clients who is working to see disciple-making movements in his area, and he said, "Paul, how do you push through discouragement?" And that led to a much longer conversation uh, because I realized that discouragement is something that every disciple maker is going to face along the way, particularly if you're focused on disciple-making movements. You see, a lot of people don't realize that when they're first exposed to disciple-making movements, it's often presented that this is a quick fix, a quick way to get to this massive result that they've dreamed of. But the reality is, is it takes about 10 years to be able to go from scratch, from nothing to, to movement. There's a lot of work that has to be done to retrain our own instincts and values, and if you haven't listened to our our podcast on retraining our instincts, then you need to go and listen to that. It was one I think we just did just recently, so go back through, find that one, listen to it, but it takes a while to retrain our own instincts when it comes to disciple-making to help others retrain their instincts so that we can begin to see the fruit that we feel that God has called us to, and then it takes a while to get to that fruit. So you're gonna have discouragement along the way. And there's a lot of reasons that we might be discouraged. So in some cases, it's because things aren't progressing as fast as you would like, or you think they should. I mean, you may be, because you came into looking at disciple making movements, and you said, this should be quick, it should be fast, that's what I'm hearing from everybody. And then you get six months in, you're like, wait a second, this isn't quick, this isn't fast, this is not easy. And you're like, oh my goodness, I should be further down the road than I am right now. And you just get discouraged and frustrated.
1: Well, and you know, specifically in a lot of these things, you know, you might be discouraged because the people around you maybe aren't responding the way you were hoping Mm -hmm. to your spiritual conversations. You know, um, usually during this time period, maybe you started a, you know, discovery Bible group or study or something, and it's just not, you know, multiplying it seeming like maybe even fell apart. Maybe someone you started a discovery Bible study said, you know, I don't really want to do this anymore. And, you know, so you, you imagined yourself to be farther down the line, basically, whatever it looks like, than you are currently.
0: Yeah. And then there are sometimes we face actual setbacks. You know, you started mm-hmm. that Discovery Bible study with somebody that you thought was really going to go the whole way, and three or four times in, their life gets busy, and they're not able to meet with you, and then all of a sudden, they drop off the face of the planet. Or perhaps you had a teammate come along that you thought was going to be excellent, you're like, oh my goodness, this is going to be wonderful, now things are going to be easier, and I'm not going to be alone, only to have that relationship fizzle out, or even end explosively just a few months down the line, or a couple of years down the line.
1: Yeah, we often find that the people that start disciple-making communities, they're very excited because they're, this is what's going to get everybody doing disciple-making and we're going to see all these things happen. Well, a lot of times, disciple-making communities are kind of just a means of sifting out to find out who is actually interested in making disciples and who is not. You know, a lot of times, hey, I'm going to start this small group and we're going to do disciple-making community. And then you find like out of the ten people that started coming to your group, only four mm-hmm. end up continuing uh, with this and and don't drop off the map, but it could be discouraging some people uh, for it to be able to see that that happening. Of course, I try to help people see it the opposite way and say, "Hey, well, you have four people that still are with you," right. and right. so there's always a better way. But still, it can feel a little bit like a loss.
0: Yeah, and then there's the spiritual warfare aspect of it. There is no doubt that as we push the light into darkness the gospel where it has not been before, that Satan wants to come against us and cause incredible problems. And so he will create relational conflict, he'll create situational conflict, he'll make it hard to sleep, he'll isolate you and f- make you feel completely alone. And all of those things make it really, really hard to, um, to push forward through everything and get through those tough times. Another one is, is we just don't feel understood.
1: Yeah, well, you know, even just going back with that spiritual warfare, you know, this is actually something that I don't think a lot of people are even ready for. When they're if uh, you know, when you're dealing with really trying to reach people who don't know Jesus, you know, the spiritual warfare doesn't always look like, you know, an outer attack. It's a, it's often an inner attack. It's often you get, you know, and, and it's to a level, perhaps you really have not even experienced before, just incredible levels of sadness, discouragement, you know, um, despair, mm-hmm. you know, this darkness, you can't even think straight. And the, these are attacks of the evil one who's trying to just basically get you bogged down and to stop. And, and, and sometimes it's just hard to deal with because we're not even used to dealing with that level of, of um, you know, attack in our own minds.
0: Right. And uh, many times we can just not feel understood at all. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. It makes, you know, the people around us, they don't know why we're doing what we're doing. They don't know, um, they don't understand the metrics we're using or who we're engaging. Sometimes we'll drop out of things that we used to be leaders in in order to have time for disciple-making things, and they don't get it. And so as a result, they get frustrated, or, or they push back, or they don't include you in conversations you were a part of before. And that can really, really hurt and be very discouraging.
1: Yeah, the pushback from friends and peers are probably some of the hardest to be honest when it comes to this because a lot of times we feel like these are the people that I I you know had, that have supported me in my life have been my relational and more emotional support and now it's it's the exact opposite it seems, you know, they're telling me that I'm working too hard or I'm, you know, too obsessed about this or You know, uh, this is just creating a lot of conflict amongst people because really what it is, and we talk about it in in our book club, you know, people don't like change. They're not always comfortable with change does not change, does not make people happy. And whenever we're trying to, you know, bring change, I mean, that's essentially what disciple making is. We're trying to help others make disciples and see other people become disciples. And that takes a lot of change. It's just, it's hard and of course, they might be experiencing, you know, spiritual warfare as well. And so, you know, this is, you know, we often get that kind of push pushback from people who are closest to us, and that can that can honestly hurt the worst. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and you know, I faced all of these things when we started contagious disciple making several years ago. I mean, I was going in to try to do something that no one had done before, and that is seen movement in the United States and Canada. And there were a lot of people who looked at me and said it couldn't be done. There were people who resisted me, saying that, that, um, that I was anti-church, you know, anti-institution, you know, anti-whatever, fill in the blank. I got labeled a lot of different things. We tried things. It ended up failing. I had teammates who came on for a time, and then it ended up betraying me and doing it in such a way that hurt, it hurt incredibly. Uh, relational conflict. All of these things that we just talked about, I went through with Contagious disciple making. And there were some things, though, that helped me push through, that helped me make it through. And and the first thing, and and that's what we really want to focus on today, the very, very first of those is the Bible itself. I am convinced that disciple-making movement methodologies, what we teach here at Contagious Disciple Making, is the way to help me fulfill the Great Commission and Great Commandments in my own life. Period. Period. I'm fully convinced of that. It allows me to do it in a way that nothing else had before. And I've seen it help others be able to obey the Great Commission and Great Commandments in their life in the way that nothing else has before. Okay? I am convinced that it not only does it for my life, but it helps other people across a variety of situations and a variety of people groups to be able to fulfill the Great Commission and obey the Great Commandments i 'm um, convinced fully that the focus that we have at contagious disciple making allows me to obey Ephesians four when it says that we are to be about you know equipping the saints, the body of Christ, to do the work of the ministry, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that uh, that it helps us to obey John 15, where it says, "You shall found fruit and fruit that lasts, much fruit and fruit that lasts, and, and and all of that."
1: And and I think I think that's a that's a really important part to to emphasize. You know, there are a lot of methods out there that we see some fruit. You know, from you know people have come to know Jesus and many other different methods and things like that. But this is the the method that has seen the most amount of fruit. That actually lasts. That goes continues on. That continues to replicate. That continues to be to be able to bear more fruit into the the future, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, surrounding the idea of can you read the word and obey it and share it with other people? I mean, that's just been that that is the method in which people you know that, that in which people not only come to know Jesus but actually be able to live it out and serve other people and the thing is the more that we believe that this is not just a thing we're trying mm-hmm. this is not just a new tactic this is not a new catchy phrase that we're doing with somebody the more we realize this is supported by scripture that this is how Jesus even you know wanted us to be able to, to make disciples ultimately then the more that it's going to help us push through the discouragements because it's no longer now just something we're trying this is something that we understand that, that has to become a value in our lives that transcends the discouragement.
0: Right, exactly. So when we talk about things that help us push through, we need to remember that the Bible is the first place that we go to. That we are doing what that we are about the Lord's business, and we are not going to be distracted from it. But the second thing that I go to is I look at the at previous disciple making movements or movements throughout history. I'm reminded of yeah. historical movements like the Moravian movement and the Methodism movement that became the mm-hmm. Methodist denomination. Uh, I look at that and I said, What did those guys have to deal with? What were they trying to do? And I and I remember the hardships that they faced both in starting the movement and as a part of movement, and it helps me to remember that, as you know, e- Hebrews chapter 11 says, that I am surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, you know, <laughs> and those kind of things, people who are pressing on. And then um, I'm reminded of the Bodhpuri movement and what and getting to see as a small kid, my parents and all the things that they went through and experienced and endured in the process of starting that movement, of the saints that were became alongside them and became teammates, and teammates that came and teammates that went, and teammates that were mm. martyred for the cause of Christ, and, and the struggles There. I'm reminded of the African movement. I remember being in the room when we were celebrating all that the Lord had done in Africa. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. I remember a friend of mine, Harry Brown, breaking down in tears when he told us that in the 10 years it had taken us to celebrate all those things, that 200 people had died for the cause of Christ underneath his leadership, not because of his leadership, but underneath his leadership. And I, I will never forget the moment of seeing an incredible man's Shoulders shake with the intensity of the crying over the loss of those souls, and I'll never forget the stories that Shadonke Johnson told when it came to the movement in Sierra Leone about the men and the women who had been killed for the cause of Christ.
1: So you know, when this is important, why we have to be telling these stories? Because you know, we have so many people who come to us and say, "Is this? Is this possible? Is this? Can this actually happen?" And we can say yes. It can happen. It did happen. And, you know, just keep on keeping on. But yeah, so yes, they they went through that. But what came out is we see seen million, thousands and millions of people come to know Jesus in such a way that they help other people to do so too. So, you know, it's it's these, It's these. kind of like that idea in Hebrews 11 where it says that, you know, this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the races that before us. Mm-hmm. So in other words, look at all these people that came before us. We can be able to follow that same path and, and be able to uh, see God work in such miraculous ways. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. I mean, I, when I look at those movements, I go, was there struggle? And I, know, I was there in the beginning of those I was there in the room with the conversations with the leaders. I got to see the transitions in all of them. And so I can say with authority, yes, there was struggle. Was there per- persecution? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Did friends and family and other colleagues at the time not understand what they were going through or what they were trying to do? Absolutely, Yes. But they pressed on, and the mm-hmm. fruit that they experienced was more than any fruit they had experienced in decades of ministry previously. It was worth it. And so when we look at, when we look at pushing through discouragement, the Bible, thinking about movements, but also go- remembering where we are in the process, where you are in the process, right. where I am in the process, you know, where on the movement timeline. If we talk about zero being the beginning and then things going forward, where are on the movement timeline timeline are we? And, and then, and then as I help coach people, I sit there and I go, where in the movement timeline are you? Oh, we've been doing this for two months. We're probably not going (laughs) to be ready for movement. Or I could sit there and say, wow, you've been doing this for a year and you've already got to this point. You're about a year and a half ahead of where a lot of things are. And it could be an encouragement.
1: Yeah, well, even in beyond that, perhaps you've done movement for about four years and, and or you've been seeking movement for four years and you're saying, why haven't I seen deep levels of multiplication by this point? Well, again, according to the timeline, that's not where you see deep levels of multiplication quite yet. In fact, you're probably just starting to experience some really beginning and lasting signs of even just one multiplication. So one generation of, of multiplication beyond the first. And so, you know, this is, this is something that we have to realize that uh, just to be honest, like this is where I am. It's not where I want to be, but this is where I am.
0: Mm -hmm. And we have to celebrate the stories from where we are. I heard once that we don't need to, we need, we don't need to compare someone else's chapter 20 to our chapter five. We're mm-hmm. in the beginning of our story. We're in the process right. of obeying what God has put before us and being faithful with that task. We don't need to look at somebody's chapter 20 and go somebody who's further along in the process and say, why am I not there? Why am I not there right now? Um, the other the other thing that um, we look at as we're trying to seek encouragement is to remember the worst that can happen.
1: Right. I actually really like this point of yours.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I sit there and I go, all right, um, I'm going to do this thing. And what's the worst that can happen if I do this thing, if I seek to start a movement? I guess I'm going to co- equip more people to pray and talk to God more. Okay? Uh, I'm going to equip the body of Christ to engage the lost, to serve their community, to support one another, and to read the Bible and obey it. Okay? Okay. Some people are definitely going to come to know Jesus. We've already seen that happen. I can say that that will happen. No problem. All right. Mm -hmm. And some new churches will get started. Yep, that happens. That happens as we seek the lost and as we raise prayer and we form communities. Okay, so if that's the worst that can happen, and that's— I think I can live with that. I think I can live with that. I mean— I think I can live with that. Yeah.
1: And I think, and I think that also helps us in, in realizing where our true, you know, motivations are. If we just want to say that we were the person that started movement here, uh, then yeah, I'm sure that may not be enough for you because mm-hmm. you want to be able to say, "Hey, I started movement." But if your goal is, "I want to see as many people as possible come to know Jesus," and I want to be able to equip believers and mobilize prayer in order to do it, well, you are going to. Yeah. You know, setting big goals, even if you don't meet those big goals, means you're going to get farther along than what you would have before, which is definitely a principle that is taught across the board in goal setting, uh, even in general, and and certainly when it comes to this. And, you know, uh, we just got to remember that God actually wants us to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's not like, hey, I'm trying to, I'm the only one who cares. No, God really wants us to. And so, you know, God really wants to see these people come to know him in such a way that they will help other people, too. That's what he wants. So we can have confidence that this is this is something that is more sure than what we're thinking.
0: Yeah. And I think another way to avoid discouragement or to counteract discouragement is to recall all the good fruit. See, a lot of times we sit there and we hold off celebrating until we're like, we see the big things like, oh, a person got baptized or a church got was planted or a movement happened. And so we hold off any kind mm-hmm. of conversations or any celebrations. But no, remember, celebrate what has happened and the progress you've made where you are right now. So did you go out and you engage somebody who didn't know Jesus and have casual, meaningful and spiritual conversations or any part along the way to those? Are you going to get a chance to see them again and maybe further their relationship and to ask God, have you mobilized people to pray? Have you started a discovery Bible study? Has that discovery Bible study multiplied? Have you gotten past the first four studies even? And have you gotten past the Old Testament, moved into the New Testament? I mean, I mean, there's so many stories that we continually tell in our community of people in progress, people who haven't seen movement yet, but are heading that direction in faith, and then giving, telling the stories in order to give God the glory for all the things that has happened.
1: I mean, in fact, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about in our second half. You know, we're going to be talking about how do you use celebration in order to be able to keep people going, to have a a good morale, to be able to to overcome discouragement. But, you know, uh, really connected to that is that we should lean into community. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when we're discouraged, that's when we feel like we need to separate. Because we don't want to feel like we're failed. We don't want to. We're so used to, in Christianity, you know, fake being okay, try to to impress people what 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 we've done, that we forget that the role of community is not just to pat us on the back or to, you know, be approved of by everybody. The the point of community is also to support us and to support each other as we seek to do this really hard thing. And that requires vulnerability. That requires us, you know, admitting like, Hey, I need, I need prayer right now. I need encouragement. I need someone to, to give me a kick in the pants. And you know, that's every bit. So in fact, Paul and I, something we say all the time is when is the best time to, to, to make sure that you're leaning into your coaching call or to community? Well, it's when you haven't done the things, mm-hmm. which is very counterintuitive than what people normally think.
0: Yeah. If you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like making that coaching call or don't feel like coming to that community gathering, that's when you need to come. That's when you need to make that call. Uh, there's some blockage that's happening there, be it spiritual warfare or feeling like you haven't done as much as you should. And that coaching call could be encouraging. It can help you figure out the next steps, and it can help you make progress.
1: Exactly. What and and really the last one that we wanted to share today is actually something for me. You know, uh, some of you may know that I, I deal with chronic illness, and you know, and as I've been throughout this journey, you know, um, I often feel like you know it. I can feel the isolation of someone who's doing something that's just really kind of different. And um, and, and so the, it, it can be, and then, of course, there's just the plain spiritual warfare of, wow, you know, they are just situations and attacks and everything that just makes it sometimes, just, it takes your breath away sometimes, and, and it does make you feel like, this is awful. You know, <laughs> like, just to be honest, like, sometimes you're like, this is, This is not the. This is, you know, this is just really, really hard. And the thing is, is what keeps me going during setbacks and all these different things is kind of connected to a little bit connected to what we were saying before. Was what the worst can happen. Well, let's let's say what would happen if I, you know, if I stopped. You know, in other words, it's like, what, what else, what is my other choice? Mm -hmm. That's like, that's how I usually put it is like, what is my other choice other than doing this thing and pressing forward and moving in, not doing anything. Right. You know, so I'm just going to now watch Netflix at night and, you know, just go out and walk in parks on the weekends and, you know, just have, you know, just take it easy from, from, from here on out or. Reduce my activity to an a acceptable level. I guess you might say. I don't know. You know. I'm just going to go now and stand in the back while everyone else does this. You know. What is? But the thing. What doesn't change is the cause. Mm -hmm. You know. Is so. Are there still people out there that still don't know Jesus who need to know Jesus? Yes. Um. Okay. Is is my nation still? My my people. Are they reached for Christ? No, do it, are, is there still a lot of brokenness and need that is around me? Yes. These things have not changed. My feelings have changed. Circumstances have changed. My frustrations have changed, but that has not changed. So therefore there is still reason to press forward and to move in. You know, um, one of the, what again, I've, I've told Francis, one of the passages in scripture that, has really helped me understand the need for great commission, great commitment, and the responsibility that we have in our lives to God is the parable of the 10 talents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, particularly I like the one in, in Luke, but the reality is that, that a lot of times people, if we're not careful can become like the last person who only had the one talent and just hit it and didn't do anything with it. And you have to remember what was, you know, His reasoning is, I know you are harsh. I know that you, you know, demand things of people. And so I just didn't do anything. Mm. And so I was afraid. It says in there, I was afraid. And so I did nothing. So here it is. And now did, did the master sit there and say, I understand things are hard. They suck there, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, goodness, you you know, what if you had failed, you know, I We all have those days. That is not what he said. He said, you wicked and slothful servant, lazy servant. Mm-hmm. In the sense of that saying, hey, that's this, all this like, hey, I was too afraid and to stuff. That's actually just covering up your lack of love for other people and your lack of of wanting to work hard. Right, right. You know? And so he's like, even if you had just simply put the money in just to, to get some interest, it would have been better than this. And so in other words, we have to realize that we are personally responsible for leaning in mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, now God is, is there to help us. He's here to love us. He's here to empower us, but we are responsible for doing so. And lately I've been reading in the, you know, the, the stories of the promised land about how the Israelites, a, a small people comparison to others, you know, definitely not the ones are usually considered the warriors of history or something. Mm-hmm went into a promised land and kicked out a bunch of giants Mm -hmm. and kicked out a bunch of peoples that were way too big and powerful for them normally to do. And so the idea is, you know, nothing's too big for God. You know, these, these, these hard to reach places, these uh, spiritual strongholds are pushing against in, you know, especially nowadays here in America where we're seeing so many, so much hatred and division and, People rising up in power in business and education and government that just seem to be so anti-God. And how, what are you going to do against it? Well, <laughs> God's bigger than all these mm. things. We can move forward in confidence that He can be able to, uh, to uh, bring, give us victory. No matter what it is, we can see the kingdom move forward.
0: Yeah. Those, so those are, some several thing, those are several things that uh, we, we use when things get dark when we're down, in order to get through those times. And I I hope they help you. Uh, No matter where you are in this process, we have a vision. We have a vision of God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to spend my days pursuing that vision. And I know that you do too. I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing. You've been listening to the CDM podcast, like, share, five-star rate, review this podcast. We'll be back with our premium contact right after the break. We're going to be asking the question, how do I create a culture of celebration? A culture Mm -hmm. of celebration is one of the first defenses against discouragement and helps your community do that. And we just talked about that today. And I, I want to be able to dive into that with you. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, patreo dot slash faithworks, or just click on the link in the description. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com.